welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Josh Heron, Christopher Munden, and John Rosenberg read through every Pulitzer Prize winning play since 1918, so you don't have to, or so you will read along and join us. Like I said, my name is Josh Heron. I am an elementary school teacher and theater critic, and I am joined um, by number one Los Angeles Rams fan, John Rosenberg. R.I.P. Kobe. And uh, sex pest Chris Munden. Jesus Christ. Did you say sex pest? <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> that's a slender. I heard in England that's what they call, like, that's what they call pervs, sex pest. Um, yeah, kitty fiddlers. Sex pest. Oh, oh boy. Maybe we should right, start I had, like, I had nothing. And when I have nothing, Chris, I just go low. I'm sorry. Um, is that which Rod Stewart song was that? Uh, Tonight's the night. Gonna be all right. Jesus. All right. I was listening to yeah. it earlier, and I was like, I was really jamming. I've never heard it before. Um, I should be Chris. You've like you did me a couple solids. Oh, you always do me a bunch of solids, so I should be much nicer to you. Um, yeah. Well, that's all right. And um, uh, editor and 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 the best editor I've ever had, Christopher Munden. Thank you. Um, and tonight we are talking about 1977's Pulitzer Prize-winning play, *The Shadow Box*, by Michael Christopher. Um, that's uh, the year I was born. No way! Are you really that old? I was born I during the course one. You were born seventy six. Yeah, we born seventy six. Same yeah. age. We have like so many more months until I was born. <laughs> my, dewy, my dewy young baby skin. Um, I wasn't even like a, I wasn't even a sperm yet. Um, you were. Was probably an egg. I don't think I was a sperm. Probably an egg. Yeah, I don't know how sperms work. Um, does anyone want to take? Yeah, you do. I, mean, I don't. Do you want to take the summary on this, gentlemen? I'll I'll will do the summary on this one. All right. Uh, I'll mangle it, but Philip Larkin's obeyed. What'd you say? I was just gonna read a poem about death. Actually, do that. Okay. <laughs> no, no, do the summary. Okay. So, uh, the shadow box tells the story of. Uh, three lives and the setting is a uh, like three cottages somewhere in a lush valley in uh, as we learn California and um, we slowly meet the people that live or stay in these three cottages um, one family is from New York it's a man who is soon reunited with his wife and son the second cottage is a man with his boyfriend kind of caretaker and his uh, ex-wife shows up. And the third cottage is a mother and her daughter. And kind of what ties this together is there's themes of death and talk of death and impending doom. There's a interviewer that interviews uh, the main characters of each cottage and um, yeah, the play, uh, it's like a reveal play, and it um, we kind of meet the families and learn of their 
hardships and ordeals in their either ability or inability to deal with death and the, the soon coming death. That's what I'd say it's about. Okay. So I'm very nervous for this because you loved it. I loved it. Like, I think it might've been my, it might be one of the favorite things I've read. And wow. I'm so sure you guys are going to hate it. What, uh, so tell me about your experience reading it. Um, I just was like, I, it was one of the, it's one of the few, it's, it was a very emotional play for me. And like, I, and maybe in a cheap way, I don't have a lot of experience with this, but it like, it, it's like a play is meant to move you and make you feel things and sort of like, I, I think sometimes plays can like help us practice emotions. Like, I feel like I was like, I, I felt very like moved by this play. Um, I found the characters surprising and um, and pretty vivid. I thought that some of the depictions of queerness and um, and sort of queer relationships, um, both with lovers and ex-lovers, to be sort of um, delightful and surprising. I thought some of the parent-child dynamics were really interesting. Um, yeah, I like just reading this. I was like, I would love, I would love to see this done with really good actors. Um, and I was like very aware that like it's a very emotionally manipulative play, and like I have a lot of sort of, um, I know I have a lot of patience for that and a lot of stretch for that. How do you find the play emotionally manipulative? I mean, I think just that like it's about like it's the subject matter is like it's like it is designed to make you sort of feel these things it is engineered to be sort of high octane emotional given that it's about death and proximity to death and people grappling with and wrestling with um death that's like i think sort of like ground zero for like prime emotional so did you it's funny because my experience with it um i know this play from when i was young but like I forgot the conventions of it. At times, did you wonder if it took place in reality? I, I, I assume it takes place in reality. You, you assumed it took place in reality? Yeah. It's funny just because, like, uh, I felt like the place was so talked around in a way that mm -hmm. it kind of begged this question of where were they? Do you know what I mean? Like, there was the the wife in the first cottage refused to go inside. Mm. You know what I mean? And like, uh, there was a, I felt like there was like a, a playing there as to where they actually were. And like, it revealed where they were after a while. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, I, uh, I sort of immediately sort of was like, interviews, hospice. Like, I feel like I felt very sort of grounded in it. Uh, I think it's unclear whether it's uh, whether it's reality or whether it's kind of metaphorical or um, yeah. It's funny because I, I gotta yeah. I gotta say I had the same reading, Chris. That like there's a touch of like metaphor. There's a touch of like the author doesn't. It, 
it's funny for like a, a play to be so upfront about its emotions, it really plays with where they are in a way. Yeah, yeah. Are they still there? I, I don't know. You can read it either way, I think. I think you can read it as this is hospice. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't make complete sense. Like, what's the illness? Uh, I think um, a reading of it as some kind of purgatory or some kind of uh, contemplation on life or, like post-death review, all of those things work too. I don't know exactly what he was thinking about. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think reading. I guess it is interesting because, sorry, like uh, the people, you know, the, the ex-wife that kind of floats in in the second cottage, she's so like, uh, the pieces to her are almost not ridiculous, but they're like almost dream state in a way mm -hmm. like she comes in like wearing like the tattered clothes and like drunk and all that stuff like and th this isn't a quibble but like it's not like she drove up in a car you know right. what i mean from like from uh, carmel or something like that and you know i thought it was interesting in the first you know in the first cottage the wife kept pulling stuff out of her bag there was like so much stuff he had a ham on the plane. Yeah, it was the ham that kind of... She did arrive on a plane, which was maybe the first uh, mention of, like, King Travel we've had. I thought that was... It struck me. And the, and the way that she dressed up for the flight and the way people used to, that was grounded. But, yeah, that arrival, um, that was strange. But in, I, and so I, I mentioned all this, Josh, to be like, the emotion to me was obscured by wondering where they were and like, like uh, what this was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting. I think that I just like, I, this is also how I think we read plays differently in that. Like I, I, I you, I, I, you sort of go into the checks just sort of blind and um, not that I do necessarily, I like read the back of the play. The play says, uh, oh. terminal cancer. Oh, yeah, what does it say? <laughs> in this compelling dramatic triptych, three terminal cancer patients dwell in separate cottages on a hospital ground. Um, the three are attended and visited by close friends. And I was like, yep. Like, sort of like, okay, got it. Like, I mean, you know, that's written by someone for the no, publishing company who totally. like, I, I, I had to write that's what I like. I 12 read of those that oh, day. Totally. And, yeah. I just took it as fact and sort of moved on from there and like, yeah accepted that this was like the interviewer was doing research and they had cancer um like so, the okay so then what's interesting to me then is like i felt like the characters all had one position and they stayed with them do you know what i mean like i felt like the women were drawn fucking weird man like the first, you know, the wife, whether it was out of grief or whatever, she was a bit, you know, she wouldn't go inside. She was like a harpy. Um, the ex-wife, I dig what you're saying that like the portrayal of like queerness and like, you know, he used to be married to a woman, but like it read weird to me. They read like, like movie script characters. 
you know what yeah, I mean? I was wondering if it, it read like a woman or if it read like a gay guy. What did you think about that, Josh? About oh, I thought it read like a I thought it read like a very I mean, I thought that that character is so contemporary and like, I was so into that. Like I could have had a whole play of those, the three of them. So one of the cancer patients, Ryan, or I guess cancer patients. Um, and I think it's important for me that this was cancer and I'll tell you why I think that in a second. Um, I think that would make sense if, it, if we're taking it at face value. Um, but Brian is a sort of like this like professorial sort of character. And he has a younger lover, Mark, who I just looked and that character was played originally by Mandy Patinkin, um, who's sort of like a former hustler sex worker um, and is also visited by his ex-wife, Beverly, who's sort of this like drunk, sort of larger than life character. Um, and I don't know, I found it like I found her to be so interesting in that. Like this is still relatively this is, you know not 10 years after Stonewall, homosexuality and like gay male love is still relatively underexplored. Um, we have a character in a chorus line the year before. I don't really think we have like any much more explicit than that. And so um, we see, this is certainly the first like- Tennessee Williams maybe. Yeah, but this is definitely the first like gay love we see. Um, you know, where we see two people at least actually online and on, an on active screen. relationship and you know it's very like it's I think portrayed very coolly I think that you know she's a little bit icy and a little bit confused and in a way that an ex-partner would be towards someone else's partner but um I think in other ways she's very cosmopolitan about it and very like um and sort of very open in a way that I thought was neat um I think uh, like a thing I was fascinated by is you have this gay character in 1977 who is dying of a terminal illness and it's before AIDS, it's not AIDS. And how the, then the effects of AIDS make this play sort of unproducible. Oh, yeah. It becomes then a bit- I, I was thinking you were, it was more relevant, but- I, don't, I think it can't, no, I think because then you're like, then you're dancing around. Like, I think because it's not specific enough, Mm. Um, like I, I think my guess is that is sort of why you never saw like a major there was a rival in the 90s that didn't get well received um, it's because it's not a good play I think yeah. it's so good I think it's yeah. so lovely and the character and I, I like, god I love that mother daughter character I think that's so interesting Ooh, that's brutal it's so boring oh my god it's so boring I was bored too. Um, it did or make me. You were bored? Do you know what I mean? It's like she's got one thing. It's like, oh, Claire, here's another letter from Claire. I, mean, I do another love letter the, from Claire. I do. I love melodrama. I like. You just, know what? I will. I will step back and say, right. If if I look at this play as like a melodrama, mostly with that fucking ending. It's like very melodramatic, and yeah, it's like it can work well on stage. Um, I bet it's beautiful. I bet it could be beautiful. Ooh. I don't know if oh. I have thought for it, but I'm trying. This um, this is the type of play that makes me want to kill myself. I knew it. I knew this was going to be. It makes um, me. Think so the other the other so they have that you have dying. you have that like character with the wife and the 
and the hustler and they're trying to figure sort of each other out and trying to figure out like how to support and they're all trying to support this like these people dying or differently um, I mean, what- cottage, you have a mother and daughter and the daughter is sort of writing these fake letters to the mom um as her other daughter who's dead um and then you find out that that's maybe like what's keeping this woman from dying um that was one thing that made me think it could be grounded is that the other daughter doesn't appear there's a moment yeah that Um, if it's a dream or if it's unreal, if it's purgatory or something, maybe she appears. Uh, God, yeah. Never occurred to me that it would be purgatory. Um, I, I don't know how much the author... There's a, one of my favorite poems is um, Obeyed by Philip Larkin. I don't know if you guys know that. Mm-mm. Um, recite a big daddy hmm? oh it's too long to recite but um, it's about like fearing death Um, and uh, and it it feels from that poem that the poet or the narrator um, fears death and, and knows what it's like to spend his time like dreading that and um, and having nothing work to take that away and knowing its inevitability and beautiful lines in it. And I don't know how much uh, Christopher like fears had feared death or like really knew what it was like to be facing that. It didn't ring that like um, that any of those characters really had the fear. Well, no, because I mean, I feel like the one character that's given it is the dude with the ex-wife. He gets the speech, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. He gets the speech about like, while all these things are happening, while I'm whatever, the atoms and the sun and do you know what I mean? Yeah, but that seems like writers. It seems like yeah, yeah, but but I'm saying is like the writer gave somebody that speech. You know what I mean? Like uh, he, did. he did, but he made it rightly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In a way that, like, it didn't feel like, oh yeah, he. he but the one thing like, I will, but for looking at the wardrobe, like Larkin. But the one thing I will give the dude that wrote this is he made the writer in the play a bad writer, and yeah, I do appreciate that. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't like a best author ever who was dying. You know, the wife is like, dude, your shit's terrible. <laughs> and so so is his love, right? It's shit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was good. nice in that sense. But like um it's funny. I guess it was just like it was, I think for me, Joshua, it was just overwrought. Um, and it wasn't lived in for me. You know what I mean? Even though it was it it lives so much in emotion. Like there's no action really that happens in a play, which is really, which I love, which is beautiful. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, 
and and I remember this when I was a kid, like the the scene between the mother and the daughter. I'm like, oh shit, God, God, Jesus, fuck, like nothing. Yeah. Right. No, I, I think, think I think yeah. I I think I sort of can just imagine. I I just it's gonna be so you don't like you didn't see it this way, but I just like like just the beauty of the like I found the language to be beautiful. I found sort of the like. I no, 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 don't get me wrong. I think like it was written, it's written clean. That's the funny thing about it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not, it, it's like a cleanly written play. Characters, the only way I could say it is they turn so many double plays in the play. Do you know what I mean? When you like, mean like, I feel like a lot of times, mostly with the ex wife, she gets set up with perfect lines. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of just like, someone says something and then she's like encapsulates a feeling or really nails what it is to feel something yeah she could and be a really fun character for an actor i think yeah absolutely yeah so it, and and i think i think that's the funny that's the funny thing for me the experience i had reading it is like it's not like it's not that it's a uh, poorly written play or it's not um that 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 wasn't my thing with it it was like i found it I found it like emotionally one note mm. and like, uh, and yeah, I, th- I think, I think that was the strange, that was the strange thing for me. And like, it's not even the thing where I'm like, well, you know, I've been through that or something like that and be like, they don't know what it really is or anything like that. But like, I felt like the characters in a, in a weird way, it like, I will say this, it was funny. The, the relationship between the ex-wife, the husband, or the ex-wife, the ex-husband and his lover, at times it reminded me, it was like what came before Angels in America. Mm-hmm. Like that, like mm-hmm. that face, that facing of reality of relationships mm-hmm. and like that kind of like, there's not really to me emotion there's like a little emotional bloodletting in it but not it wasn't about that and i was like oh shit and i appreciated that you know what i mean like seeing like the that relationship i enjoyed seeing that um and i've seen it in like a number of more contemporary things and it first shown up here mm-hmm. but like that fucking ending where they're all in, in I guess it's so stagey of like each, everyone with their lines. Celebrating the beauty of life. Oh, I love that. Oh, get Oof. the fuck out of here. Oof. Oh, that's <laughs> rough, man. No, fucking. With some like dimmy, starlighty. Oh. <laughs> it's like we went to see Hades Town the other day and, and that brilliant ending of the myth where she gets get come back to hell. They like have another scene after that where, but that's like, part of the whole fucking show you dip <laughs> it's like no we can't leave it on that note we have like literally say. you're talking about my fa- so i life you are talking about my favorite i like i have a like my favorite thing about musicals is musicals that end with like we're gonna tell you why you should retell this story mm. like we're gonna tell you why we tell the story in the first place that shit is like gold to me i fall for that shit every time you know it's funny there's a version of this play 
like that's very 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 powerful and very very beautiful to me it's like you take out that fucking interviewer yeah that was strange the it's interviewer a strange was framing very very strange to me it's a strange framing i didn't i guess it's to make it strange framing some kind of sense but it doesn't really add much no and there's not like a ton of like medical stuff that happens in the play or like uh no. I mean, it's interesting. It's not, like, it's not about medicine. Like, there have been plays about medicine. No, 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 I know. But it is a, like, I, like, are there other plays that we've read that deal with the experience of dying? That's no, good. I don't feel, I don't feel like we really have. Like, um, and I would get through it. We're like in the 90s, there's a whole bunch. We're, I but think, I, I um, would, I think this play would be so much more interesting is if the three cottages, Mm -hmm. all happened at the same time it'd be interesting it wouldn't be more watchable and sometimes they do yeah there's there's like some overlap stuff but i'm saying like all three of them start at the same time and you know what i mean so it's like a cacophony mm -hmm. i mean i think, feel like i see stuff like that fringe type stuff and it's however good the idea is it, it doesn't um, I'm trying to salvage this fucking play. I, um, it wasn't. I, it wasn't a terrible play. It just for me, it was. It just didn't move me, and it felt like he was almost. I didn't feel like he knew what that was about. Maybe, or it didn't communicate to me the real emotion of it. And then you are using death. You're using I, death like like a. I will say, I don't think this, I think I found this play, you know what I found this play similar to? Um, I found this play and it's gonna like, I think it might make at least some of our lines clear, is I found this play similar to Our Town. The feeling I get when I read Our Town. The sort what's of Our like, Town? Oh, that was about death, yeah. Thornton Wilder. Like this- What's, like, what's Our like, Town? That dealt with the- Reddit, you hated it, you called it dangerous. Oh, the American Nazi play. Um, not all of them were Nazis. Not all of them in Nazis. Um, <laughs> Christ. Um, um, like, oh, so yeah, yeah, no, I could see, I could see, like, that, like, I, I just, go ahead, say, say what it I was. I feel like our town leaves me with more thought, but like, I, and I don't, like, Chris, you were talking about Chorus Line and you faulted it for like, people would leave that theater and not have a lot to think about. And I think that, like, mm. I don't think I would it's leave, so I, oh, I don't think, no. So. No. I don't think I would leave Shadowbox and have like, a whole lot to think about. I think I would leave feeling like, wow, I want to go hug my mom. Like, I want to, mm. like, I want to, like, I, like, I want to appreciate life a little bit more for the next, like, however long that lasts. Probably like two yeah. hours. Um, and that's a nice that's feeling. Like, feeling. I think of, yeah. like, it's not, it's not, um, see, like, Seascape, like, when I read it, I was like, I had so many ideas, so many thoughts about what it could mean. Mm. Like, this, I think it means, like, one thing um but i think yeah. that thing is beautiful and i think that thing makes me feel something and i think that thing makes me appreciate life a little bit more in the same way though like our town it's like very just straightforward yeah <laughs> i love a good i love a good life affirming moment i just looked up him and he was only uh, 32 when this came out which 
Maybe Makes. that's why I relate to it and you don't because you're too old. You don't remember that youthful. <laughs> that youthful <laughs> he also wrote the, uh, he wrote the screenplays for The Witches of Eastwick, oh. the update novel, and um, Bonfire of the Vanities, wow. that movie. Who was in that? Was it? It was some famous actor. Who was in that? It was Tom Hanks. Was it Tom? No, it wasn't Tom Hanks. Oh. And he were, he directed the um, premiere of Three Tall Women, which medal oh, uh, win a Pulitzer. Yeah, which won a Pulitzer, and he created the role of Gus in Tony Kushner's *The Intelligent Homosexuals' Guide to Capitalism and Socialism* with a key to the scriptures. Wow! Yeah, so, he's a he's a he's a man about town. Yeah, he had some uh, history to him. Um, so I would want to be the ex-wife. I love that character. That's a yeah, good you're not, character. You're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to be that. You have to be that old cripple bitch in the wheelchair. Or um, I saw you as Mark, actually. Oh, a young hustler. Yes. Young hustler, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> Honey, we took him, I took him to the bar, you know, where they'll just be doing everything. Um, I think it's something that I didn't see myself in any of the characters are, there was no one to hang your hat on either, really, for me. Do you think that, I feel like you'd be a good interviewer. Yeah, the interviewer, maybe. Do you think we could stage the show at like a hospice center? Oh, dear. Like with people who are terminally ill? Do you think they, you right, know, I mean, uh, they really know what it's like. And a um, what do you call it? A cemetery or no, a funeral home. The shadow box. The shadow box. I don't know that. Yeah, I think it's better at a hospice. Um, what does the title refer to? I don't know. I feel like I've heard that too. I mean, I think this is sort of like Plato's cave. What's Plato's cave? The allegory of the cave. No, where you, no, um, someone has I, spent all absolutely, life. I absolutely feel like you're trolling me, but I will take the bait. No, no, I don't know. Um, it's like this, like allegory or like a supposition of like if you are chained, like you spent your whole life chained oh, yeah. to look at it in a cave, and you are chained in such a way that you can't see people on either side of you, and the only thing, your only reality, is shadows from behind you casting shadows of figures moving in front of you that if you were then released and to look at the real world you wouldn't believe the real world existed like your if like if your whole reality is based to be based on a fallacy then when confronted with reality you you don't believe it you break down it feels like that's called plato's cave yeah plato's allegory of the cave wow who did he do that to? That's fucked up, man. I think yeah, he knocked someone in the uh, cave. No, a shadow box is um, uh, is a box, like a memento box, um, glass on one side and enclosed three-dimensional, and you, oh. you put like things that are important to you in it. Or, Letters, or, um, roaches. Something from someone. Right, this side. is like a Things Remembered play. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense, and it's. Um, but I think it's. It can be someone who's dead on it, which which makes the. Um, 
you know, the allegorical aspect of the play, maybe, or it could be allegory. These could be dead people. Because there is the one, I feel like there's the one point late in the play where it starts dealing with shadows. Do you remember this? It's like the father and son, their shadows. Does this ring a bell? Mm-mm. I can't remember like what the action is or whatever, but I felt like that's the only time. Right. It's not like each scene there's like talk of shadows or something like that. But I remember like it explicitly talks about shadows. Next week we oh this did win the Tony. Um uh, next week we do read uh, a two-hander called the gin game, which is also well it's just about old people playing gin. Playing gin and the gin game is an allegory for life. <laughs> what me and Chris are gonna love that one, and you're gonna be like, "This is a piece of shit." <laughs> I think this one might be. I think we might all hate this one, but oh. uh, you don't know the gin game. Me? I, no, I don't know the gin game. I remember it yeah, got revived but... a couple years ago on Broadway with James Earl Jones and Cecily Tynan. Um, Tyson, Cecily Tyson, Cecily Tynan is um, a weather lady in Philadelphia. Um. Yeah, I don't. Are we? Are we? Do we feel like we've we shared all we have to share? Do you feel like you've shared everything you want to share? I think I have. I think if you if you're taking my advice, go read the shadow. Go read the shadow box. Go see it. Go kiss your mom. I would see it. I'd see it too, and I'd groan through the whole fucking thing next to you. <laughs> all right. We'll say goodnight, folks. <laughs> goodnight, folks. Don't disconnect the telephone.